All right, all right, all right. Good afternoon, cadre, cadets, and civilians around the world. I am Cadet Major Jordan I Spice Daly, and with me I have Cadet Major Stephen Ice Vandermeer, and this is the official Cadet 45 podcast, the Ice and Spice podcast. With us today, we have two special guests. First, he is the Alpha Flight Commander at Cadet 45 in the Spring 2020 Cadet Wing. He is Cadet Captain John P. Corley. And with us, how's it going, gentlemen? Hello. And with us, we also have the Bravo Flight Commander, Daniel S. Banas. Cadet Captain, excuse me. Thank you. Happy to be here. Hello. All right. Now, Ice, what do we got on the schedule today? All right. Let's see. For this week, we got a special edition for y'all here. We're going to run through the announcements like usual. We're going to have a nice field training discussion, some updates about that, as well as we're going to talk about the end during our, our little quarantine discussion. We're going to add in a little spicy part about uh, haircuts because that's been on my mind recently, and I'd like to mm. talk about that a little bit. I concur. All right, well, take it away, Ice. All right, just to run through this week's announcements, Operation Doomsday, Lead number 12 this Friday. We have the 106th Rescue Wing coming in to give us a presentation, so be sure to be ready for that. Get your questions ready. PT as usual, hour and a half of running, 30 minutes of calisthenics. Got to log it by COB Friday. Yearbook order forms are going out. Um... $19.99 per yearbook. Order it. They're going to be really cool this year. I've been taking a look at them and they're going to be really cool this year. Morale Corner. I got the. Spending the a lot. Of, we've been spending a lot of effort between the two of us with MSG with making these yearbooks. So try to get them if you can't get it. Absolutely. Uh, Morale Corner, ROTC Book Club. We got the WebEx Talent Competition coming on 17 April at 1700. So get your talents ready if you have one. Mm. Uh, the Netflix Watch Party, 23 April at 2000. Uh, there's quarantine workout video, also listening announcements by Cadet Second Lieutenant Groisman. This will keep you in shape and it's actually a pretty good workout. So check it out. Me Mondays are, we're still rolling with that. So send Cadet Second Lieutenant Holman your meme no later than Monday at 0900. Online recruiting signups, there's a link in the announcements. Uh, AS class videos, as stated before, putting those together for the awards ceremony, so have them ready by 17 April. All right. We also have the Regional Science Fair on 24 April and 17 April, so if you're interested, sign up in the announcements. The Weekly Faith Group, if you are interested in joining, the group me link is in the announcements. And Daily, do you have anything to add for the server updates for the Minecraft? Uh, not really. Right now, we're still trying to make sure that we work out the um, kinks in the Minecraft server so that way we can have the Hunger Games going on. Um, we're also still looking to update it into Minecraft Realms, but I'll make sure that we have it all good for next Friday. So. Next Friday will be our first official Hunger Games that we got going on for the Jet 45 Minecraft server at 2000. Awesome. All right. Well, without and further ado, the commentary on the announcements as well. So, two interesting things I heard. One, Netflix Watch Party. Um, I can think of a couple of videos I'd like us to watch between like Fly Boys and a bunch of my other favorite films. 
But for the talent show, so gentlemen, um, if you were to participate in this talent show, what would be your talent that you would show? Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, come on, Bannis. I know you got tons of talents. Um, probably, you know, make a sandwich or something. Maybe oh, eat it. So part of my talent. I think that's all I got. <laughs> as long as we're going by uh, food-based talents, I can make a nice steak. All right. But well, y'all saw my photo that I put in the group chat of um that nice over easy omelet I made. So, I mean, it was yeah. beautiful, lovely stuff. Bush lead the ladies at Bush Dining Hall and got nothing on this. If you guys daily, I believe you could be the next Gordon Ramsay. If you guys want to see me Basic. do stand up comedy, I'd be glad to do some stand up for you guys if you want. All right, all right. So we got ice on stand up comedy. We got me on my over easy omelets. Banis knows how to make a sandwich. And um, how about you, Corley? Oh, man. Aside from my steak skills? Jeez. Well, I mean, if you can make a mean steak, I'll take that. Man. Not a lot of things that I'm talented at? I don't know. But you just said you can make a mean steak, right? That is true. I can play sports, and that's about it. All right. Well, you're pretty good at um, soccer, I've heard. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's debatable. Oof. Well, Oof. Moving on from Corley's obsession with meat, we'll go into the field, <laughs> the field training discussion. Um, gentlemen, we've all been to field training last summer. Our very two guests here both were distinguished graduates. And um, I'd like to get you know both your opinions, starting with the you know, Alpha Flight Commander. Tell us, just give us a brief overview of what your field training atmosphere was like, because I know it was much different from Bannis's as well as mine and Daly's. Right, right, yeah. Um, as Captain Marinelli referred to my field training squadron, we were the uh, the cupcake squadron. So very much of a, a different experience. Uh, I think you guys had the uh, the forged by fire and we were forged by, uh, you know, slight agitation rather than, than severe yelling, so. Just a uh, just a little bit different from from y'all, but uh, yeah, no, um, still still a great learning experience. Still learned a lot. Still still definitely had my fair share of uh, you know incensed CTAs and FTOs coming at my neck. So you know, overall uh, a good time uh, learning learning a lot finding out a lot how to uh deal with uh new people new situations but yeah uh, a a very good learning experience you got any tips on how to be dg by any chance tips on how to be dg i would say for for all you ftp hopefuls and all you as 100 ftp hopefuls um get out there and show your face and strut your knowledge early because you've got you've got 14 days to show everyone and your cta and your fto that you know what you're doing and you're prepared and you're ready to be there and the best way that you can do that is by getting out real early day one day two showing that you know your knowledge and and just strutting your stuff basically facetime 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 now as a caveat to that 
how do you do that while not showing yourself off as a DG hunter, as we are all told not to do from day one of field trip from Akwatsi? Well, I think um, I think DG hunters are they're they're their own special breed. Mm. Um, there's a difference between wanting people to know that you know your stuff and forcing people to to know that you know your stuff um you know if you if you take advantage of a situation where uh people don't know as much as you do and you give them a tip that's that's not dg hunting that's helping out your wingman right Mm -hmm. but if if you're out in front where there's other people in situations where you can you're not the only one who can help and you're always the one you know trying to tell other people what they have to do um that's that's more dg hunting it's not it's it's yeah it's it's trying to it's trying to force your knowledge your way onto other people even though they might know it's like mansplaining for field training. That's what it is. I see. Yeah, I see. So in short, basically, the difference between being a DG and a DG hunter is just that DGs um, always take initiative, but they don't stomp on the toes of their wingmen when their wingmen are deliberately in charge. Or if their wingmen are deliberately in charge and they're having a tough time, they help them out, right? That is that is a short and sweet way of my very long way of saying that. So yeah. All right, all right. Nice. Thank you, Corley. I could have definitely used that explanation and distinction before um, we my went in for my field training because, of course, um, when we were FTP, when we were FTPs and whatnot, um, the main thing that we were always told by, um, uh, well, yeah, just told by trainers and everything, just like don't be a DG hunter when you go down there, support your wingman, and also like be loud and proud, but at the same time, um, hang low. And not only that, but we all had our different field training goals. <laughs> Um, as you all know, I'm a pretty loud person. So when I went down there, I was, so I was, before I went down there, my main goals were to like stay low as recommended to me. Um, interesting outcome. Yeah. But hey, I made it. So also a a quick, a quick note on, on DGs and whatnot. And I've, I've explained this to my flight and I'll explain it time and time again. The purpose of field training is to rank you against other people. That Mm -hmm. that's what it's for. Right. And if people drill it into your head that you're not supposed to go out there and compete because, or if, if even if you get it in your head that you're not supposed to go out there and compete because you don't want to, you want to worry about what other people think of you. I mean, that's, it's, it can be detrimental, but you know, just, just go out there and explain what, or show what you know. That's the, couldn't agree more. All you gotta do. As Air Force officers of the future, we are expected to be leaders, and a leader needs to know how to take initiative. They need to lead from the front, and also they need to be the inspiration for the rest of the people who they're leading. So, cadets, when you're put in that leadership position, lead. As a famous um, quote by General George Patton goes, "Lead me, follow me, or get out of my way." I like to hear from the Bravo flight commander now what his experience was like because, you know, I can relate to some of it and others others I can't. But Bannis, let's um, let's check yeah. out your time down at Maxwell. Definitely. Um, so it's pretty interesting. I know you know 
Vandermeer and, and Corley, we were, we were all kind of together. Uh, you know, Max Four, um, same same squadron, right? Yeah. I know me and Vandermeer, Corley might have been in our sister squadron. Um, so we we had the pleasure, you know, being together. I I think almost every single day for a lot of the training. So that was a pretty unique part. Um, you know, we, we were lucky, got to you know chat about some things here and there when there was, you know, quote unquote downtime. Um, but you know, I, I love field training. I think it was just the, you know, the best part about it was the practical application of, you know, two years of hard training. And, um, you know, as a GMC from day one, you're told, you know, everything you're doing is to prep you for field training. And, you know, it doesn't mean so much to you when you walk in as an AS 100, but you know, once you step off that bus at Maxwell, you're like, wow, this is it. You know, this is what I've been training for all this time. And, you know, just to put everything, everything in the, in motion is is pretty awesome. So that was definitely, you know, an awesome part of field training for me is just seeing everything that I've learned, everything I've built on, you know, applying it, showing what I got, showing how well I, you know, knew some things, how well I didn't know some things. And it was just a great experience overall in, in that aspect. So awesome, yeah. Well. Speaking to me and Vanis being in the same squadron, we uh, when we were moved from the regular dorms we were supposed to stay into the OTS dorms, we we got we weren't just across the hall from them. We they we were like literally in the same hallway. So every time we'd pass each other, you know, I, I'd bump into Vanis or he'd bump into me, which was oh yeah, on, on accident. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, of course, on accident. But <laughs> the funny the funny thing about our our two flights was the difference in sometimes our FTOs were you know not the same. Dennis <laughs> had more Dennis had more of the I not strict but you know. I um my FTO was was very, very hard on us and you know it, it was difficult. Without a doubt it was difficult. Um you know, she she pushed us to our max, and you know, in the time we all hated it, and you know, we, we united uh, together as as her as our con- common enemy. But you know, looking back on it, I'm I'm grateful for having the FTO that I did. Um, you know, just being hard on us and yelling at us, and you know, knocking us down and having us build up together stronger as individuals and as a fight and everything. Um, but, you know, I, I, that is a good point. When you go to field training, you know, you're going to have different FTOs and some are going to be super loud, super, you know, yelly, I guess is a good way to say it. Um, and then others, you know, are not necessarily going to be like that. But, you know, there's there's development and growth from both. And I think both have a lot of benefits. So, you know, I, in that aspect, um, I can say definitely you're going to grow regardless of who you have as your FTO. Some will let you enjoy snack time right before bed while your sister <laughs> flight gets screamed at for for God knows what. But, yes, there, there's a huge difference in everything that you do from getting the Maxwell to being at Vigilant Warrior. And I think that's another part of things you have to adapt to is different situations with different CTAs, different FTOs, who you interact with. Everyone gets a different experience. And um, I know definitely when you're leading an exercise or a scenario, things can go completely 
right or usually they'll go completely wrong. And I know one more thing I like to add about me and Bannis' experience is our first scenario together at Vigilant Warrior when he was actually he was leading the squadron for uh, for that exercise. And I, I think I'd like to hear what his perspective was and how things went. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually going to, you know, flashback or go back to a little bit what Captain Corley was talking about, um, you know, just jumping out ahead. And, you know, his the question he was asked, uh, you know, biggest part of, you know, best thing you can do as a cadet at field training and, and my answer to that would be just confidence and it kind of kind of goes back to uh you know what uh, cadet major vandermeer is talking about so i was in fact uh it was right when i was made a squadron commander so that was about you know 60 cadets that i was leading as part of you know the squadron commander role and i was leading a scenario with all of them and it was daunting it really was and you know i had no idea where we were, what we were doing, you know, I had a little bit of information about the objective and how to, you know, sort of how to do it, but it was pretty, it was pretty open. Um, so it's basically like, yeah, it was like, here's this information, get all these people to this spot with this stuff and, and go, you got 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, however much it was. Um, but you know, it's just having that confidence and, you know, I, 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 went back to my GLP training, you know, got a deputy, you know, got somebody to take time for me, you know, just the basic stuff. And I built on that and I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I can do this. No problem. Might not be pretty, might not work, but you know, we're going to do it. We're going to have a good time. We're going to do our best. And, uh, I can say, um, you know, it did, definitely didn't accomplish the objective. Definitely wasn't pretty, but you know, I think it was just the confidence that I had that, you know, you know, it was it was somewhat successful, and I got some pretty good uh, uh, feedback from my FTO. So really, just that confidence is the biggest thing. You know, regardless of the situation, if you have confidence, you know, you're going to be set. To build context for this next question, I'm going to pose: during this scenario, this was the first time where we were interacting with paintball guns and masks. So what happened was the scenario started, and we we're all had our masks and paintball guns and whatnot and we're we're trying to figure out what's the best way to go about this scenario and out of nowhere you know this whole squadron sitting in a big circle we just start getting lit up by you know ctas and ftos in the woods so now now you have 60 cadets laying on the ground just getting hit with paintballs what was what was something that you did in that moment in time that you said all right this situation not fun right now and <laughs> yeah it what was, was something uh, you did to get us on the road and out of just being completely pinned down <laughs> yeah i'm <laughs> i'm just laughing thinking back to it because it was it was hilarious it, it was a mess <laughs> like everybody's legs like 60 cadets literally right next to each other laying down like asking themselves what the heck is happening right now um and honestly i think we would have laid there for the entire 30 minutes if we you know if we wanted to we could Nobody have <laughs> was shooting back I, yeah. I had a gun i'm laying there and the person next to me is like why aren't you shooting i'm like why aren't you shooting so 
Yeah, so I, I, I could say for that, um, you know, I don't want I'm not trying to be cocky when I say this, but you know, I was just, I was like, all right, you know, this is obviously not where we want to, where we need to be, where we want to be. Um, and you know, we had our, the squad leaders and the flights and everything. And it was basically what I did was I just went around to each one of them and was like, you got to get your team behind cover, you know, to accomplish your objective. Um, so for me, it was just a lot of hopping around and communication with the, uh, you know, the flight and the squadron, our flight and squad commanders, whatever, whatever it was. Um, and you know, I, <laughs> I don't know. It was just, you know, just, um, you know, getting up and reaching out to each one of them individually, I think was the thing that, you know, got us out of that, that bind. Um, cause you know, it was a lot of running around and it was just a lot of confusion, but as soon as you give your people, you know, that little bit of hope and that little bit of, um, you know, information, that little bit of push that they need, um, a lot of them will overcome that confusion right off the bat and, you know, get the mission done. So that's one thing I definitely noticed. So it's just getting, getting to each one of them and communicating with them. Absolutely. Corley, did you have uh, a similar experience when you were leading any scenarios? Oh, I... I, I absolutely did. Um, I was doing one of the scenarios at VW, and I it was the fir- very first one, too. And my job was to organize the 60-person squadron and get them to uh, a base. And we're sitting around there, figuring everything out, handing out supplies, handing out the paintball guns and the canisters and everything. And we're getting organized, and all of a sudden we're getting shot at from behind the the uh, forest, behind where the staging area was. And by that time, I was in charge of the squadron. I was waiting for everybody to like piece it all together. I hadn't even put together a deputy yet, and all of a sudden I'm just yelling at everyone: "Sprint, sprint! Go to the base! Go to the base!" And then telling everybody else to you know, fire back and we all get to the base. And that's, that's the end of my job. Basically. Um, I had nothing else to do. And the guy who was supposed to set up the fob just up and up and disappeared. So <laughs> I, I, I had the tendency to, uh, I just, you know, took over his job and started doing what his so bad move there. And, uh, I had a, a famous line, from when I was uh, in, cr- in control of that fob because um, I was getting real mad everybody was getting stabbed by the CTAs with their invisible knives that didn't <laughs> exist um, I got stabbed in the butt it was it was a mess and one guy comes that's why you all need a battle buddy cadets otherwise you will get stabbed oh, always have a battle buddy and I was, I was trying to control everything um, even when I should have been controlling nothing. And one cadet, this one cadet who I barely even knew while I'm trying to make sense of this whole situation comes up to me in front of my CTA who's trying, or my, my FTO who's trying to grade me on how to lead. He comes up to me and he says, oh man, I just got stabbed. And I turned at him, I looked at him, and I said, well, guess whose fault that is? (laughs) And I looked back over at my FTO, 
and you could see the the X marks right down on his clipboard. It was oh <laughs> man, <laughs> terrible, just terrible. Yep. Well, you could. Well, um, Banis and Corley, yeah, two major lessons I can receive from both of your um lectures about what you yeah both well both your experiences that you got from your scenarios. One, yeah, as a leader, you gotta take charge. You gotta take initiative. But at the same time. Um, when you're the leader of a scenario, you're leading like 60 plus people. So you can't be the one person going around micromanaging, doing everything um, for each person. And also just like um, doing that. You need to have people in the middle, you know, like your deputy um, empower your women, you know. And two, um, remember, as that scenario leader, you're the one responsible and in charge of everything. Um, every single paintball um, that hits the, the members of your um, squadron is not because of the CTAs that shooting at them. It's because of you not mis- not managing them properly. And in war, there are going to be losses. And also in combat, it's ex- you can expect casualties no matter what um, is going on. So don't feel bad if you have people that are like falling as a result of them being hit by um, paintball because that's just how combat is. But how you get out of that situation, out of that trouble conflict is up to you as a leader. And if I may, I'd like to talk a bit about my scenario as well. That's all right, so my I'm not gonna make this too long, but um, on my scenario, I got a 90 out of 100, so that was pretty cool. Not only that, but it's only one, so only scenario that I um got a field training, uh, so I like to hold it at very close to my heart as a prime treasure. Um, but yeah, basically, so my story is, I'll open all I my my scenario is one of the last ones on field training. Like, um, I've been through multiple scenarios before as a member of the squadron and also and some of them I thought that the squadron leader did well and some of them I thought they didn't do so well so I was like all right well when I get my two scenarios I'm gonna do great at both of them of course I only ended up getting one but it was my favorite one and here's why so like I was in charge of defending the base and also I had two people who um were also um given to me as team members who were supposed to carry ammunition and medical supplies. That's the greatest detail I can give because I'm pretty sure I signed um, a waiver or some form saying that I wouldn't give too much detail about field training scenarios. But yeah, and also I was in charge of defending the base. So I had Cadet Lineholtz. Shout out to Cadet Lineholtz, number one deputy um, squadron commander. And also I had him as my deputy as well as Cadet Spellmeyer for my own flight. Shout out to Cadet Spellmeyer, chief of security. And also I have I told gave both of them instructions on how I wanted to set up the base defense and um, how I and also I helped them orient and do navigation for finding out where the base was that they were supposed to get the ammunition from and the medical supplies from. I sent them both out um, into their locations and also then the CTA started attacking. And I admit that was the that I felt I never felt more alive because I wasn't standing in the middle of the base. Um, with my deputy and also we were looking at the map and trying to figure out how long it would take each of um, the two teams to get to their positions while there were the cadets spread out around the entire perimeter firing back at the CTAs there were paintball bits flying over our heads it was amazing you could not like this is it was it was amazing I, I would live I would live to see that mo- I will no I would kill to see that moment again um, it was so so great not only that but it was like it was little like an action movie because um Halfway through the entire scenario, I get a radio call from the um, ammo team and also um, Cadet Griffin, leader of the ammo team. Shout out to Cadet Griffin. Um, he got knocked out by a paintball um, yeah, a paintball gun wielding CTA. 
Salem, his deputy, was now in charge. And also, she was um, constantly waiting to me back, like, oh, no, now we only have five people. Now we only have four people. And also, it came back to the point where there were only two of them alive. And also, they were, like, spinning back to base. And also, it was super it was, a, it was super awesome, like a Saving Private Ryan moment. Because I was like, all right, they're right at the edge of the base. They're coming back in. Um, I told Spellmire to get, like, the entire three teams of, like, six cadets from the northern perimeter. Send them out to grab them and have them back. It was amazing. Like... I just can't put it in words. I, I, I would love to have a scenario experience like that again, but of course, sadly, only got one scenario. Yeah. But yeah, cadets, um, short, short lesson from that. Uh, make sure that you definitely take initiative when you're leading your scenarios and try to have fun with it because even in the middle of chaos, you can find a little bit of fun and treasure your moments at field training because as you can learn from my story, you might only get one scenario. I think a huge takeaway from, from this and the guests we had today is as you can see from both both of these gentlemen who are joining us today, you know, Cor- Corley had someone who got stabbed and he said, well, well, whose fault is that? Yet you see him, you know, six days later on stage as, as a DG. So what do you think are here? I, I'll, I'll do this question. What was the PFA like and why was it so different running it at Maxwell compared to uh, New Brunswick. I'm gonna I'm gonna let Dan go ahead and take Dan's that one because he's yeah. our our yeah. resident PFA expert right. here. Yes. Um, first off, you know it's pretty impressive. Gonna be honest, they do the entire uh, you know the entire max you know about uh, high 300s, low 400 uh, cadets in. I want to say a matter of an hour and a half to two hours, maybe, maybe even less. Um, you know, it's pretty impressive the system that they have to do it. Um, it's, you know, obviously the same events, push-ups, sit-ups, and a mile and a half run. Uh, the, you know, the push-ups and sit-ups, you just basically, you get there and, and you do it. And you're doing it with somebody you've never seen before, never met before. And, you know, that's one thing we try and stress at, uh, at you know debt 45 is proper form and everything because you're gonna have somebody that you know they don't care if your if your form is bad they'll give you they'll count zero of your push-ups if your form's not good so you know that's why form's so important and you know you don't really realize that until you get to field training and you're doing a bunch of push-ups and you think you did uh, x amount but you only did five <laughs> so you know you gotta gotta really get that form down um you know, other than that, just the run too is is pretty awesome. There's just a lot of people going at one time, and you know they kind of do a rolling system. Uh, and there's a bunch of flights going at one time. Um, so you're you know you're a, you, you have a mix of wanting to do really well, but you're also really tired because you know it's day day two at that point, and you know you're not getting much sleep. You're still stressed. The food, food, you know, been eating MREs and everything. So. The PFA in general, it's pretty interesting at field training. Um, you know, if you, definitely if you can prepare for it beforehand, like like you should, then you'll be fine. It's not much to worry, you know, much to worry about. But um, you know, just just be ready for it. Is my big advice for that. Corey, oh yeah, it's it's just an interesting it's an interesting course, um, especially for the run. Uh, it, again, it's it's very impressive how how they're able to knock everyone out in 
the morning of the the PFA there, all 400 or so cadets, right? Um, and yeah, form is is incredibly important because you're seeing a CTA or an FTO who has never seen you before doesn't. I mean, they want you to pass, but they don't really care if you fail or not because that that's up to you. Um, so if if you have bad form, they will certainly let you know and they won't count it. So obviously something to be wary of. But with with the the PFA, I, I've never run on a more fun track, I'll have to say. Oh, yeah. it, it's so it's so weirdly designed and they have the the quarter and half mile and so on uh markers out on little cones so you know how far you've ran but it's very difficult to pace yourself because you're just constantly like doing these left and right turns and whatnot but uh yeah su- such an interesting it it's an early morning it's still dark out when you're taking the pfa so it's still nice and cool. It's not a million and a half degrees like it is during the day, but just an it, it's an interesting, very interesting PFA. You're not going to take one like that again, honestly. It's true. Now, Corley, you had a, a tip for pacing, real quick. Yeah, a tip for pacing, real quick. Um, just focus on someone in front of you who um, does a pace similar to you. So, like, with my flight, Juliet flight, Juliet Jerry's max two, um, I had um, a D1 athlete that was in front of us, that was in front of me, and she said, okay, so I'm going to be running at, like, um, I'm going to be running at, like, a nine-minute pace. No, 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 not a nine-minute. She's, I actually, no, she ended up running, yeah, she ended up running the mile and a half in a nine-minute pace. Um, I knew I could not do that. So, um, I just followed the girl that was right behind her. Um, because she was running something more akin to like a 10, a 30, or like an 11. And also that helped me stay on track and run through. Like in your flights, you'll have a genuine athletes who will know their pace and also they'll know where they'll run at. Um, not only that, but if, you, if you know your own mile and a half time and also you just like try to keep on going at that regular pace, you should finish um, in a decent time. Now, I was going to say, Corley, you had a, a pretty cool experience on Bruce I staff, did, right? yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh... A very interesting time. Hmm. Um, Would you like to uh, elaborate more on how you got the job? You know what it was like. Sure, absolutely. Um, so with with that group staff position, if your FTO or your CTA thinks that you're doing um, doing just like a bang up job, basically at uh, whatever flight position, squadron position that you've been doing before. Um, they have the option to recommend you to group staff. And uh, if you're recommended to group staff, there's basically, they, they interview you for what position um, they think you'll fit best at. And uh, basically, if you're recommended, you're going to get one of the, the four or five positions that they have there. And I was the, uh, the group vice. Um, and like... Uh, Banis and Vandermeer, I was sequestered away in the OTS dorms, away from everyone else. So they had to, they had to pick me and uh, the uh, physical fitness officer, the group PIFO, up from uh, the OTS dorms early in the morning with a van and drive us all the way over to the uh, parade area. And 
we'd have to get set up and everything. Banis, I believe, uh, I believe you knew the uh, the Pippo, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, I, uh, no, he's in my fight. Yes. Oh, okay, Vandermeer. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was yeah. Hedge. Uh, yeah, he uh, he and I would get picked up early in the morning, and I would actually every now and then I'd catch a ride back on the buses um, because they didn't they didn't keep the van with us, and. Uh, I was once on the bus with uh, Dan's flight and his CTO, which was an experience very different from what my CTO and FTA were like. I think Dan's CTA, or he handed out uh, a, a three, I think four or five 341s in about the span of two minutes since I got on the bus. So probably less. Yeah, probably less time. Yeah, pretty pretty quick. Um, but basically, uh, on group staff, your job is to, uh, um, perform the, the opening formations every day. It's like the GMCIC, um, basically, uh, but split into a few different roles. Um, and, uh, basically we were, we were creating plans for how the group would accomplish different tasks. Um, one of the earlier group staffs was charged with uh, creating a plan for how to uh, go on to get to Vigilant Warrior. We were charged with how to have all of the uh, different squadrons clean up their dorms and get ready for uh, exiting field training. So it's, it's different tasks every time for each group staff. Um, and I actually, I had the pleasure of having uh, Cadet Bannis report into me uh, as I was the uh, the GMCIC receiving the reports of each squadron, whether or not they were present. And Cadet Bannis just happened to be the squadron commander that day, so we had a yeah. We, <laughs> I was the only one that knew his name, so it was pretty. Yeah, we had a nice little <laughs> chat from about forty or fifty yards away, so it was yelling or accountability it was, to it was a fun time yep. we had a nice a nice time um but yeah group staff is is um i had a little different experience than the uh the typical group staff being in the the ots dorms and being shuttled back and forth but yeah it it's uh it's nice to know that uh you know your fto or your cta is doing a good job in the moment or thinks you're doing a good job in the moment enough to put you at that squadron or group staff position absolutely do any of you gentlemen have any parting comments for cadets going to field training uh i can say a few definitely um I- i'll keep it quick uh, i can say that you know field training is going to be a lot different uh than anybody previously has experienced this coming summer um, that being said, you know, the mm. expectation is still there. The importance of field training is still there. Um, and, you know, all the cadets are, you know, all the FTPs in, in our detachment are still ready to go. And they're still, you know, still have been given all the information, everything they need. Um, still, you know, got to use the next couple of weeks to do some final, final prep. But, um, you know, they're definitely going to be expected to perform regardless of the, you know, everything going on right now. But, just gotta have that confidence, have that determination, have that drive, and you know they're they're gonna be set. 
I, I think that's that's extremely well said. Everything that all, all the cadets who are going to field training, um, we've 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 done what we can to help you at this point. Um, it's going to be different, right? Um, there's no doubt about that. So uh, adapt in any way that you know you can. And with the information that we have given you, um, do your best to succeed in the aspects that we've trained you in. But there's there's certainly going to be some that we haven't trained you in. So it's up to you to apply what you've learned to those situations and uh, succeed. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, let's move on to our last segment of this week's podcast, Coronavirus Resiliency Number 3. So, Cadet Daily, I know you, you always have some some words of wisdom before I jump into my, my little part here. Yep. Well, the coronavirus situation has not really changed much. Of course, we hear about the increasing death toll um, in the United States, as well as how it's starting to have much more of an impact on um, our, de- our everyday American lives. But right now, all of us have more or less gotten used to um, the quarantine and also gotten into that rhythm. So now um, we're not in that we're not in that phase where we're just surviving now. Now we should be in the phase where we are thriving. Um, we've had a couple of weeks um, to get the hang of this entire quarantine thing. So now um, we can expect that we can definitely get a whole, we can definitely be much more effective at what we're doing in Air Force ROTC, um, academics and everything. So cadets, by now is a time when we should really be banging on all cylinders and doing our best with everything. As for like public health updates, it's not really anything new either, other than the fact that the CDC um, now does recommend that um, whenever you're going in a public space like a grocery store or anything like that, um, it's recommended that you wear like a bandana or a cloth over your face. Interested in seeing, I'm interested in seeing how um, UGMC and uh, POC are going to um, take that and adapt your styles. Um, I got my own like black bandana that I like to wear around my face. So look up on the Instagram, you might see um, some photos of that or not, depending on what our public affairs department thinks. Absolutely. Um, what do you think, Daniel? Um, you think um, we can uh, have that up? Something I like to add here, which I, I've right. seen is, you know, maybe it's just for New Jersey, but I think we're slowly starting to maybe hit the peak or, or come over the hill a little bit. That's just a little bit of optimism. Um, obviously, this thing's still ongoing, but yep. keep, keep safe, wash your hands and stuff. But, you know, like you said, not many, not many big updates here. However, to kind of lighten the mood a little bit, I'd like to discuss or just ask a question, really. How are you guys? I know daily's fine, but how are you guys cutting your hair, Vanis and Corley? Because I, you guys, you, you guys. <laughs> well, oh yeah, I, I, I know daily's fine. You know, you guys. I, I simple, do have to maintain my buzz cut going on. I know Vanis and Corley both. Us three have longer hair, so. It is simple and it is um, stylish. I could say, you know, I, I trim around the ears is kind of what the most most I'm willing to do to myself. I'm not trying to have a large gash in the side of my head or side of my hair or anything. So I think, you know, just a little, just with scissors cutting around the ears is kind of the extent of what I'm doing. So hopefully this all ends soon so I can get back to the barbershop because um, it's getting long, definitely. Corley, what are you doing? I've got, uh, I've got some pretty fast growing hair. So, um, 
for right before uh, wing boards where you go up to uh, interview in, bet- in front of Cadre to see if you can be the wing commander. I uh, took it upon myself to learn how to cut my hair. Um, it did not go well in the back, but on the bright side, there's no one around that's going to be able to see the back of my head for a, a, a few weeks. So that is that is just fine. Well, I'm glad to hear you're able to, uh, you know, make it work for the time being. It's not the easiest thing to do. I had my my dad, who has like a buzz cut like dailies. Um, in the beginning of this this quarantine, I was like, oh man, like I gotta stay in regs or you know keep everything professional. I usually go get this done at the barber shop, and he's like, oh, well, what is it? I'll do it for you. I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't know, but uh, I, me and him researched, and he watched like three or four YouTube videos on on how to give a fade. Actually, I'll, I'll give him I'll give him credit. It turned out pretty good. So, you know, it's definitely ways to do it. I know doing it on your own is really really hard, but if you can find someone who's willing to willing to help you out and do the research on it, maybe. Uh... Maybe next semester, with all of the uh, brand new learning that some of our cadets may have, we'll be able to have a uh, a wing barber, detachment barber shop, baby. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? I will put that on the list of things FSS looking needs forward to, do to a daily movement project, wing barber shop, and I'll be the barber. I'll give all of you sexy buds cuts, just like the ones. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh, thank you but yeah buzz cut buzz cut for those of y'all cadets listening buzz cut ain't that bad just make sure that you have the sideburns of course no um lower than the from top of your ear opening and um, for you ladies um i think you can get an undercut on the sides and also have um, the main in the middle i mean i think that would look pretty stylish and also for those of you gentlemen yeah just get it all low on the um sides and back like or you can just um, have a little bit on the top and also get it completely taken off on the sides because having it low on the sides definitely makes All it a whole right, lot Medina easier. said that when he shaved honestly, his head. Like, he's hair anyway. That he did. <laughs> I think it looks good. I think it looks good, though. It's not exactly. bad, yeah. It was stylish. It was... I think it looks amazing. Not only that, but you can also see the widow's peak in front. That looks extremely stylish. So I say pops up to you, Medina. Keep that hairstyle going. You and me, we um, we, we gonna be like a two-man high, team with this. High time, you gotta keep it low. And, yeah, high and low, high and low. Absolutely. All right, well, you guys uh, got yeah, anything else to add short, for uh, week called. number three of the podcast? I, I just gotta say, I am a big fan of the podcast, and I hope you guys keep it up for... Uh, for a while here years to come I oh, thank you agreed agreed you guys are what sadly the host might not say the what same you guys but say, yeah, you guys are always welcome to come going. back you were saying nice. both you gentlemen are, are pilots so maybe that could be another segment um i'd love to jump in on the pilot conversation unfortunately uh, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately mr air force said not for you vandermeer not for you but yeah. <laughs> I love to discuss other things with you guys in the future. Absolutely. 100%. All right, Daly, want to close us out? All right. Guess I'll close it up then. This has been our longest podcast so far, and I think one of our most interesting. 
This has been the Debt Boy 5 official podcast, the Ice and Spice podcast with Cadet Major Stephen Isavandamir and Cadet Major Jordan Spice Daly with our special guests, um, Alpha Flight Commander John P. Corley and Baba Flight Commander Daniel S. Baness, both Cadet 